Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Luke chapter 4. Thank you, worship team. And um, go ahead and turn there. I'll be reading from the New International Version. We're going to start in verse 14. Are you ready? Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I should just stop for a second and say, that's very different than just a regular walk. The power of the Spirit is a different kind of walk. He's filled with the Spirit, led into the wilderness, and returned in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside, He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. It was handed to him, unscrolling it. He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, and he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled In your hearing. Father, we thank you and praise you for what you've done already, what you're going to do now. In Jesus' name, give us living understanding. Give us hearts to respond, ears to hear. Move in great power. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you, and again, if you didn't get a copy of those, Go ahead and make yourself known to the ushers, and they will, they will help you. I want to read to you, as I've done many Fourth of July messages, uh, some quotes from founding fathers and from presidents and from patriots. Samuel Adams, it's a founding father, not just the name of a beer, He said, quote, it does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority, keen on setting bushfires of freedom in the minds of men. What a quote that is. Patrick Henry, you might be reminded of this, she taught perhaps in middle school or high school. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Abraham Lincoln said, America will never be destroyed from the outside, 
if we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. I love the quote from Ronald Reagan. It says, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in their bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. And I love this. John Thume said this, I believe our flag is more than just cloth and ink. It is universally recognized symbol that stands for liberty and freedom. It is the history of our nation. It is marked by the blood of those who died defending it. All great change in America begins, oh, pardon me, this is Ronald Reagan now. All great change in America begins at the dinner table. I, I just love that. The problem is, is that many people don't have a dinner table where the family gathers around. And most families are in the four corners of their home on Wi-Fi, watching reels, snaps, and Netflix. And there's not much dialogue about that which is right and good and just uh, at the table. We, in my Bracken home, we have to fight for that. Because it's not something that just comes natural. You have to, like, plan. You have to plan it because we're all just like ships in the night going this way and that. and Getting there to sit and talk. And we do a thing called high-low at my table. My, my house, my home table. And some of you have done that with me as we've eaten and broken bread. High-low is, what's the low of your day? Okay, somebody cut you off and gave you the singer, single finger salute. That might be a low. Maybe it was much lower than that, whatever the low was. And then what's the high? What are you grateful for? And we try to camp out on that and, uh, and talk about that. God is blessed this country. And the reason that God has blessed this country in the onset is because it was founded on God's word. And if you're not aware of that, I'm going to make you aware of it today. And I'm going to preach a message entitled Freedom. And what I'm going to do is talk about the Declaration of Independence, not on a very deep level, but to, to, that Declaration of Independence changed our changed, made our nation, changed the course of history of the world, really, is the most unusual document, longest-standing document uh, that marks out the, the, the Constitution, the, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, longest-standing documents a nation has ever had. I was talking to our friends in Chile, and they, they're, they're redoing their constitution. Anybody like, they just redid it 10 years ago or something. Or it still stands. And it's because it's founded on God's word. Thomas Jefferson said every... Oh, no, I like this quote. This is just, it's like he must have been an Alaskan, but many of you know he's from Virginia. But he said this, a strong body makes the mind strong. As to specifics of exercises, I advise the gun. <laughs> While it gives moderate exercise to the body, it gives boldness, enterprise, and independence of mind. Games played with the ball 
and others of that nature are too violent for the body and stamp no character on the mind. Let your gun, therefore, be your constant companion on your walks. <laughs> ah, like that. He went on to say, every citizen should be a soldier. This is the case with the Greeks and the Romans, that it must be that of every free state. What many don't realize is it was pastors that inspired the thinking that brought about the Declaration of Independence, the American Revolution. In fact, the Provincial Congress of Massachusetts stated in 1774, listen to this quote, we cannot but acknowledge the goodness of the heaven in constantly supplying us with preachers of the gospel whose concern has been the temporal and spiritual happiness of this people and do therefore recommend that they assist us in avoiding that dreadful slavery with which we are now threatened. So that's actually the government calling on the church to inspire people to fight against tyranny. Yet today, we have many who would say the church should be silent. They've even tried to make laws to keep uh, a separation between church and state and, and manipulate the Constitution and other documents to try to say that that's what we should do. No, no, no. I, 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 I declare that the church should come out of the closet and, and really declare what's right and what's wrong because otherwise we're in, in great trouble. Again, on American history, inspiration for the Battle of Lexington and Concord. How many of you heard that saying, the shot heard around the world? You ever heard that expression? Well, that began basically the Revolutionary War. Jonas Clark was the pastor of the church in Lexington for 20 years before the Revolution And he spoke vehemently, wrote arduously documents, papers. It's in the town's record, his position on liberty. And it is said that without that pastor who was there for those 20 years, the shot heard around the world would never have been heard. There's another shot that needs to be heard around the world, and that's God's people standing up in righteousness and truth and declaring the, the, the truth of God's word. I pray this morning, Lord, in the hearing of your people and the hearing of heaven before you and your throne, before Satan and his demons. I pray today, God, that you would breathe upon this congregation, not just here, every single church across the land on this 4th of July. I pray that you would raise up a bride, the bride of Christ, that's just walking in truth and righteous, uncompromised, that'll stand, that'll speak boldly, walk in freedom. I pray for our president. I pray that you would grant him wisdom and courage. Come on, pray for the United States. Pray for the, pray for the president of the United States. We pray for courage. We pray for him to be a man of integrity. We pray that you would raise him and those around him to be leaders of righteousness, that you would help him to be kind and faithful. He'd be faithful to his wife. He'd be a, a faithful man. He'd, he'd become even a man of God. You'd give him a heart for the poor, concerns for the powerless. You'd give him a heart for Israel. God, that you would help him to have compassion for the weak. 
God, intervene in our country. Make him a defender of the unborn. Make him a defender of the unborn, a protector of marriage, and a champion of religious liberty. Make him a man of prayer. Make him a man of the scriptures. Give him humility to admit his faults. Forgive his enemies. Touch him. Lead him. Guide him. By your grace, almighty God, intervene in our government. Intervene, God, in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. Write in your notes. On July 4, 1776, the Declaration of Independence was signed. And the sacrifices of the signers, and I've done this numerous times also, the sacrifice of the signers is, it's like unthinkable by today's standards. I mean, if you look at what they went through for signing that document, listen to this. Fives of the signers were tortured by the British as traitors before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Other had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 signers fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. They signed and pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. That, that language is not even used today. Three-quarters of their language was Scripture. So if you read documents from 240 something years ago. It's filled with Scripture. Three-quarters of their language in their writing was Scripture. If you say, well, America wasn't founded on a word of God, it's because you're ignorant and probably stupid and blind. It's not your fault. You've been raised in a culture that, man, I might get in trouble today. Let's all pray for a second so I can stay. My wife's not here. I have a tendency to get in trouble. She's upstairs. She's like a governor that just helps me be kind and statesmanlike. Otherwise, I can get a little ornery and start poking stuff with a hot stick in the eye. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. God, help us on the 4th of July, God. I'm not afraid or ashamed of saying the right thing. I just... In my flesh, I can get irritated, and then I can say things that can be said nicer and offend people in ways that are not necessary. That's the problem I have. Their lives, their fortune, their sacred honor. What kind of men were they? 24 were lawyers and, jur and jurists. 11 were merchants. 9 were farmers, owners, men of means, well-educated. But they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well the penalty would be death if they were captured. Listen to this. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter trader, saw his ship swept from the sea by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay debts and died in rags. Thomas McKean was hounded by the British and was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in the Congress without pay. Imagine that. Without pay. Maybe they should bring that back. See how many people will serve. His family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward here in the earth, that is. Vandals or soldiers or both looted the properties of Ellery, Clemer, Hall, Walton, Ginwit, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. 
At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson Jr. noted that the British General Cornwallis had taken over the Nelson home for his headquarters. Nelson, the owner, quietly urged George Washington to open fire, and the home was completely destroyed. Nelson died bankrupt. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife, and she died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dry, dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields, his grist mill were all laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning home to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. Norris and Livingston suffered similar fates. These are the stories of the, of the founding fathers of the American Revolution. They, they had something in them that drove them. It wasn't money. It was freedom. Now ask yourself this question. First of all, in order for freedom to be won for them, they had to, they had to fight. So how does this even relate to Luke 4? I'm going to get there. In order for freedom to come to the United States of America, they had to fight for it. They, there was war that was involved. And I will tell you the same is true for you and your freedom. And I don't necessarily mean the United States of America, although that does fit also. Your spiritual freedom, your freedom as an individual before God and before heaven has been purchased for you. A declaration of independence has been signed in blood, Jesus' blood, and has given you rights and has given you privilege, but you have to fight for it. Declaration of independence was a declaration, then they had to give their everything. What are the origins of our founding fathers' concepts of freedom? Think about that. What actually formed their thought? How did they even come to think about tyranny and freedom, liberty? You ever wonder about that? How did they come to think about that? The United States is one of the most, if not the most, unique nations in all the, oh, we have issues. We have issues on top of issues and division and racism and problems, big problems. What caused them to think about freedom and liberty? The church. Let me say it differently. The scriptures. The scriptures. Like I said, three quarters of their writing was scripture. Lawyers used to be trained in law by studying the word. Even many years after. People like George Whitfield had these incredible revivals prior to the Revolutionary War. Prior to the Declaration of Independence, there was revival that swept through the Northeast, swept through the Eastern Seaboard. And my God, the Eastern Seaboard needs revival again. How's that going to come about? It doesn't need a majority. It needs an irate minority that won't back off. It's an irate minority that has caused us to see the abominations that are taking place in our nation now. See, church has been asleep in the arms of the enemy as we've murdered 70 million babies. So I didn't murder 70 million. Well, did you vote? Let me ask you that question. And then are you raising your own family? It starts at the dinner table. 
said, well, I, I, I haven't, or I, I, I didn't. That's okay. You can change from today. You can make a decision. You can become a revolutionary. Listen, the, re- the reason I'm in Alaska, I didn't come for a job. Maybe some 15 years ago because God called me here to raise up revolutionaries. God calls me to raise up people that were hungry and thirsty for God and will make a difference in the world. And I believe that God's got some crazy people here. Come on, somebody say amen. All right, here we go. Let's look at the text. Jesus comes his hometown and he reads this text, which is so profound. It's Isaiah 61. It's a messianic passage. Verses one through three of Isaiah 61. And he says that today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying all of the freedom, the liberty, the healing, the good news, the anointing, the healing of the brokenhearted, the setting of the captives free, all of this messianic passage is prophecy Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came. And we have the Dead Sea Scrolls that predate the birth of Christ. 700 years. Isaiah prophesies, the Lord, Savior, our hero Jesus, reads Isaiah 61, and he says, today, freedom. He makes a declaration of freedom. It's a declaration of independence is what he makes on that day. And not only that, he, he begins to model, really. His life modeled what independence and freedom really was, or really is. And in Luke chapter 4 and Luke chapter 5, which I'll, I'll go through here quickly, he demonstrates freedom. Luke 4, 1 to 13, he overcomes temptation. He's led out into the wilderness, and we didn't read these verses, but in Luke, Luke 4, verse 1, he's led out into the wilderness, he was baptized, and the Holy Spirit comes on him like a dove, and he goes out into the wilderness, and he beats the devil on his home playing field, and he beats the devil with all of these temptations, and they were real. And the enemy will come to you. The enemy will come with temptation. And, and Jesus didn't yield to temptation And as a result, was not a slave to it. But temptation will come to every single person. And when temptation comes to you, if you yield to it, you'll become its slave. In John uh, 8, in verse 34, Jesus replied, Verily, verily, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So if you yield to temptation, you become its slave. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In Luke chapter 4 and 31 to 37, he casts a demon out of a man who's in church, synagogue. How many of you know demons come to church? If you have a demon today, you can be set free. You know, Wednesday has been a lot, a lot. The past three Wednesdays have been tremendous times of deliverance. And you say, well, why do we need that? Because there's bondage. People have bondage in the world, in the church. Here's this guy going to synagogue, and, and Jesus sets him free. Look at verse 33 of Luke 4. In the synagogue, there's a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! 
What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Shut up, says the Amplified Version, I think, verse 35. That might be the bragging version. Jesus said sternly, come out of him. And the demon threw the man on the down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed. It's easy to think in church that you don't have a problem with demons. You need to actually prayerfully consider that you might. If you're stuck in that which is a fascination of death, if you're stuck in a, a, a fascination with lust, with greed, these things consume your thought. If these things consume your thoughts, then you got to ask yourself, am I under bondage? Come on, if you're constantly angry, if you're struggling with anger and you have these thoughts about like hurting people, then you have to ask yourself. You have to ask yourself, is it possible? Is it possible? So light and dark can't dwell together. Oh, zip it. I've got Jesus living in my heart. I can't have any demonic... Listen, a Christian can have anything they want to have. And people, people don't understand spiritual, spatial realities, but we think we do. So you, you read a scripture and say, well, Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, so you can't have a demon. Well, could it be sitting on your shoulder? How about that? See, some of you are playing with things that, that we're gonna, you're going to end up in bondage. Jesus came to set you free. So really, oh, this is a great story. You're going to love this. <laughs> I looked at Minister David because over our youth, and uh, not all that long ago, there was this evangelist who talking to, and he uh, was in church service, another church, not our church. And it was one of those churches that were just a lot of nice, positive things to say, and I'm all into saying nice and positive things. It was, it was one that, um, we, what we would call a seeker-friendly service, a seeker-friendly church, and I'm, I'm, I'm not against that as long as the word is preached, and you know, you've got to follow what God tells you to do as a pastor, as a, as a church, and so that's not who we are. We're, we're not a seeker-friendly church. We're a Holy Spirit-friendly church. And we don't want to offend you on purpose, but you're going to get offended, okay? So why? Because Jesus spoke words that offended. And when somebody starts getting up in your grill and starts talking to you about your lust problem, you know, you want them to stop talking, generally. So as this evangelist is preaching and teaching, the youth leader on the front row manifests a devil, like full-on frothing and... Some of the leaders from, they had a teen challenge that was visiting that day because of the rest of the staff and the leadership of the church had never seen that before. But they had some uh, teen challenge guys that, that knew about casting out devils because they had a whole bunch of them. And so, <laughs> so they ran over and ministered to that boy and he got free. Jesus showed that there, there is demonic power. And you, you shouldn't be all freaked out by it. You should just ask yourself and take a, uh, an examination of your life and see actually if you have any manifestation of darkness or any operation of, of that in your life. And if you do, then like, d d don't get freaked out. Just repent and rebuke it. Start living right. There's so much more. Go listen to the past three Wednesdays. 
on all of that. Look at 3, Luke 4. So, he, so Jesus demonstrates what freedom is. Freedom from temptation. Freedom from, from the demonic. Freedom from sickness. He rebukes a fever, which is interesting. The word rebuke there in Luke 4, 38 is the same word that's used for casting out a devil. You're saying the sickness comes from the demonic, from the devil? It, it, originally, yes. Is all things an aspect of the demonic with sickness? Not necessarily. You have a fallen, a fallen, we're in a fallen world. So if you stand outside in Alaska in your BVDs at, at 20 or 30 below zero for a few hours, you're gonna get sick. Duh. Actually, you might have a devil if you do that here. Yeah. Just saying there's certain things in the in the natural you can get you can get hurt. And it's not necessarily a devil, do you understand? But not but there is sickness. It does come from the demonic. But he rebukes this fever of Peter's mother-in-law, and she's free. In Luke 4, 41, 40 to 41, there's all these healings and all these deliverances. And then finally, summarizing Luke 5, verse 20 to 26, he forgives their sins and he heals this lame man. Jesus demonstrates what freedom is. Jesus provided freedom how? Through his death, we're right back in your notes, Roman numeral three. Through his death, resurrection for all who believe on him. So a declaration of independence in the United States of America is followed by war. The declaration of independence of Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, the message that Jesus preached and the fulfillment of it, his crucifixion and resurrection, is a declaration of independence and an empowerment to win the war, but you still need to go walk it out. He already won. You fight from a place of victory, but you need to, do, you need to walk it out. In, in John 1 and 12, but as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. To those who believed in his name, verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor to the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Hebrews 2 and 14, inasmuch as the children are partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. We celebrate the freedom that we have in the United States of America as Americans, as, as citizens. How did you become a citizen? I was born here, but some people immigrated here. In fact, I think all of us are immigrants. A few generations out, maybe. Right? You know, you no, know, I'm Native American. All right, so you're not an immigrant. But I mean, most people, this is not their native land. However, it became the United States of America, and this land is your land. This land is my land. From California to New York Island. <laughs> this land was made for you and me. Yeah, you be you, this becomes your land when you become a citizen. And then you have the rights that were purchased by, by the sacred honor and fortunes of men and women who laid their lives down. Freedom. And it's not perfect. I know we had slavery, and it was wrong. On and on and on, and we can talk about that. We're not going to this morning, but I'm just saying we could. It was wrong. God is moving in our country, and 246 years ago, I think it is, 46 sent me a text this morning, feed me the line. 240, thanks. 245 
Thank you. 245 years ago, we became a nation. You can have the freedoms of this nation if you, well, if you cross over the border, I guess, and you can have the freedoms of this nation. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. That was hysterical. (laughs) Unless you're from Texas, and it's not so funny. Arizona, not funny. How do you get the freedoms that are purchased by Jesus? You must be born again. That's a start. Then you have to live it and walk it out. John 3 and 3, Jesus replied, Verily I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Let's live in the freedom that Jesus has purchased for us. And as I bring this to a close, how do you do that? How do you live in the freedoms purchased for us in Christ? Well, the first thing is die to sin. <laughs> Aren't you glad I finished that? Okay. Die to sin. I want you to say that. Die to sin. Romans 6 and verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who been bought from, brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law but under grace. He's saying, what he's saying here is that you have choices to live in freedom and a choice not to. If you want to be in bondage to your phone and be in bondage to the world, listen, there's a, there's a despot, there's a, there's a tyrannical leader that's far worse than any Hitler. His name is Satan, and he's waiting to eat your lunch, and he tries to set you up, and over and over and over and over again, you overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony and loving your lives not so much as to shrink from death, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. You have to not let it reign in your mortal body. Amen. Amen. Guard your heart and mind. Turn to Philippians 4. Talking about how to walk in liberty, walk in freedom. You see, because if everybody would start to live this way, we'd have a great turnaround in America. I was talking with a brother in the sauna. Thank you, my young son talking to a guy in the sauna, and um, I've been witnessing to him for pl- a year plus. And um, as we're talking, he's telling me that he's getting married. And I said, well, congratulations. I said, wow, that's awesome. Are you get- where are you getting married? Oh, my dad's going to do it, and, and uh, great. And uh, as we continue to talk, I said, well, I've been married for 27 years. He said, wow, that's a pretty long time. But I got home and found out, actually, it's only 24. So, I was close. (laughs) I should have looked on the inside of my wedding band and thought I got the date right. Anyway, 24, almost 25 years. 
And, uh, and so I, I said, can I, can I just give you some wisdom? You know, I've been married for a little bit. I said, you know, I've been married for 50 years like some of you all. But, you know, 20-something years, is, it's not five. I've got some wisdom from God's Word, got some wisdom. So I thought, he said, oh, yeah, I'd love to hear that. I said, now, you, you know, I'm, you're going to hear Scripture. He said, yeah, no, I know you're a pastor. I said, all right, so we're going to have like church. We're going to have like church on the sauna. He goes, I like that. The sauna pastor. I'm like, yeah. So I start talking to him, and he confesses. He says, you know what, I'm not going to tell anybody else, but of course I'm telling thousands of people over the, but I didn't tell you his name. And anyway, he said, I'm terrified. I said, well, you don't have to be terrified. He said, no, yeah, I am. I said, why are you terrified? He said, because I'm afraid I'm going to wake up, and I'm not going to be in love with her anymore. I said, well, let me fix that. I said, let me tell you what love is, because it doesn't have anything to do with feelings. And at that, he's looking back at me. I said, no, here's what love is, that one man laid down his life for another. How do we know what love is, that one man laid down his life for another? Love has nothing to do with your emotions. Love is 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 a covenant commitment. I'm sure that Nelson didn't feel like having George Washington open fire on his estate. I'm sure, I'm sure these different ones didn't feel like hanging from the gallows and being tortured. But their love for what they knew was right, which is from Scripture, propelled them. They believed that they were doing it, most of them believed they were doing it for the glory of God. That, that a, the nation would be a city on a hill. So I began to tell them about what real love is. I said, because it doesn't have anything to do with your emotions. Emotions come and go and warm fuzzies. It doesn't have anything to do with it. You know, thank God when you feel the emotions of love. It has nothing to do with it. He said, I'm going to tell you. You know, you get married. You're a young man right now. You're going to get older. When you get older, things change. A lot. Depending. Pastor Phil Morocco said, when I was a young man, I had a strapping chest. And I got older, and I got chest of drawer disease. That's when my chest fell in my drawers. <laughs> so I began to tell him, you know, the greatest, is, I, said, I said, getting married is the greatest, most important, second most important decision of your life. Getting married, who you pick to marry is the second most important decision of your life. And he said, his head goes back, he says, dare I ask what the first most important, I said, go ahead. He says, okay, what's the, I said, giving your life to Jesus and being born again. Obviously, that's the most important decision. Because after that, if you don't have that, you're going to hell. He's saying, okay. He's a little irritated. Whatever, he's heard it from me a dozen times, at least. So I went on to tell him how I don't have a fear like that, and that's never going to happen to me. And he said, well, I know in a lot of other Christians it happened to. I said, well, there's reasons for divorce. And I, 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 I declared some of those. Breaking of the covenant. And that can happen numerous ways. Adultery, abandonment. Uh, I think pornography breaks a covenant. Of course, nobody here is having difficulty with that. Amen. In Jesus' name. 
I said, so there are reasons for divorce. I said, but I, I, don't, I don't have the fear that one day I'm going to wake up and, and f- have fallen out of love with my wife. He said, well, how come? I said, because I made a vow. And you go through difficulties, maybe you, 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 know, you, you wake up, you have to declare the truth. You have to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You have to guard your heart, which I had you turn to Philippians 4, which is the scripture. You know, how do you walk in freedom, right? You, you have to guard your heart. You have, to be de- you have to die to sin, number one. Number two, you have to guard your heart. And this is an aspect of guarding your heart. How am I going to keep the liberty that God purchased for me in my marriage? Because every day I declare the truth of God's word, that what God has put together, let not man put asunder. I don't allow for anything to come over the fence. has nothing to do with feelings. Your feelings follow your thoughts. Let me say that again. Your feelings will follow your thoughts. So some of you have thoughts that are absolutely outside the confines of the what you should be thinking. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are noble. Whatsoever things are paresa, worthy. Think on these things. So if you think on adultery, if you think on you constantly meditating on, you are beginning to build a house for the devil to inhabit. And before you know it, you'll begin to, you'll begin to yield to those things. I, so, so I told him, I said, that can't happen because I'm, I'm staying on the wall. I don't let those thoughts come in. I said, but it's all about truth, see, so... If you're coming up with what you think is your own truth, then you have a problem. See, I don't have that problem, I told him. I said, because I have God's word. I've hidden it in my heart that I might not sin against him, Psalm 119. And it's a daily thing. Come on in. God bless America. Thank God for our freedoms. They're being lost at an unprecedented rate because the church doesn't know that it's free and walk in freedom. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, worship team, please. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 is a favorite passage of mine. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And actually, when you look at the Greek, it says this. Where the Holy Spirit is allowed to be Lord, that's sign language for Lord. Where the Holy Spirit is allowed to be Lord, then there's liberty and freedom. I've known many who have declared Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, and they're about as bound up. They need to eat a bunch of figs, dates. Prunes. Need to eat some spiritual prunes. It's so uptight. No freedom, no joy. Happy birthday, America, but happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to me. And that freedom has been purchased. The ultimate freedom has been purchased by Jesus. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.